you're coming back to university after four years away and you're just coming back to complete, to do your last project. What is the last project? For you, what would hold meaning? So that was a question. But then I looked at you long and hard and we looked at each other and silently the thought was it's possible to make it meaningful. I said to you I don't really care what your project is. I'm not even that interested in your topic. But I care who you are. I care what you become. And I am very interested in your journey. Welcome to Learner Center Design Education Podcast. I'm your host, Savitri Vardurajan. And today, the topic of this podcast, because it is the end of the year, it's November. The topic is the Capstone Project. More than 300,000 university students will graduate in Australia in 2021. That is potentially 300,000 Capstone Projects. There are 220 million tertiary education students in the world. Let's say that of the 220 million, some 50 million are currently doing their capstone projects. Too much? Okay, 30 million, 20 million. It's still a very large number. So the capstone project the phrase capstone project also refers to that last project, the graduation project. It has many different names. It's called the major project. It could be called the thesis project, the diploma project, the degree project, the final project. And all these are names for the capstone project. It's 1982. I'm doing my I'm completing my mechanical engineering degree and I'm doing my capstone project. My capstone project was a windmill. Now, in engineering school, capstone projects tend to be group projects. So there were seven of us. It was just a normal group. Some of us were doing the work and some of us weren't doing the work. It was a windmill. And I was in those days pretty invested in windmills. And so the group went along saying, okay, so there's an ED fix there. Let's just humor it, this guy will do all the work. And um, we built a sail windmill. There were three sails. And um, then we had to conduct a whole series of tests on it. And so we went and mounted it on top of a building, made clamps, and we were doing tests. And then one day there was a storm. So this was a coastal city, so there was storms every now and then. And then we had to run and put on the brake, and the brake failed. <laughs> So the windmill died. The report got written up. It was hardbound and it had gold lettering on it. And so that was the capstone project and the 
findings and the results and the design and the the report, the project report. My design capstone was about three years after that. And I was doing a postgrad degree in industrial design. This was Pune. And uh, I was embedded in a design studio. So the culture here of this capstone project is that people went and found an industry project and you were supported by the industry, you were paid a stipend and you worked there and you did the project. So to sort of arrive at this industry project, there were two of us. We traveled to a truck manufacturer, a earth moving equipment manufacturer. We went to a couple of different kinds of places. They all sort of didn't work out and eventually we ended up in this design studio. This was in Pune and there was a friend of ours who was doing a capstone project in the film school and so he was making his film. So we were helping him make the film or rather I was helping him make the film. This was six months of complete uh, sort of gorgeous intellectual growth and the office had all six parts of the Dune book. So I thought of doing the Capstone Project podcast because the day before yesterday, my son and I, we watched the Denny Villeneuve movie, The Dune. My son hasn't read the books, so he was sitting on the couch looking at me and I was I was excited and I was saying, oh, this is amazing. And he was saying, what are you talking about? And I said, I know the sandworm, but I've actually never seen the sandworm. And here's a visualization of the sandworm. I haven't seen... You know, the whole, I've never seen the phrases, the names in the book spoken. And so I'm listening to them being spoken. I think there is a very, very tiny community of people who are Dune obsessed. And I was Dune obsessed in that time that I was there in Pune doing my capstone project and doing a whole bunch of other things, hitching a ride on trucks, sitting on top of the cabin, going from Pune to Ahmedabad, and a whole bunch of things. We were staying in these palatial houses, or what once were palatial houses, which had then been converted into the homes of the sort of hostels for the Rajneesh Ashram. And they had sort of fallen on bad days because the Rajneesh Ashram had moved to Oregon in the US. And so what was left in Pune was the sort of the dregs of the ashram and the low life of the ashram. But it wasn't very expensive. So we, when we were living in Pushparaj, we were paying 10 rupees each and sharing a bed, two of us, to our cabin. And uh, it was a very active place at night. So, And then we moved to another one of these palatial places. And so there were eventually five of us designers doing various kinds of things in this design studio. So it was a sort of a 24-7 embedded, doing different kinds of projects kind of capstone. Eventually, when I went to present my work to the panel, there wasn't a... The panel was probably looking at somebody who, was, who had a lot to say, but not a lot to show. Anyway, that was my capstone. My first capstone project as a teacher was in 1993. It was many years later... And this was a master's program. I was the architect of the master's program. So this was the first batch that 
was going through. Sorry, it was 1995, and uh, Jogi had come and proposed the idea of a capstone project, which was to make uh, cane and rattan or bamboo informal sector, shops for people in the informal sector. So these are essentially kiosks on the street selling newspapers or cigarettes or all those kinds of things. And what is the kind of design intervention that you can make in there? That was completely fascinating. It was very fieldwork based. There were four students. They were out on the street. They were coming back and they were building things. And it was very, very interesting. So there were four students, four supervisors or four tutors who were... So it was all sort of a group effort. The year after this, my second capstone project supervision was at IIT Delhi. And it was Praveen, who's currently the director of the National Institute of Design, and he was designing a low floor bus. So he was pretty obsessed with the low floor bus. And at the end of it, there was a low floor bus. So 1996, there were no low floor buses in Delhi. So it was a speculative technical design project. The year after the I had three students and I was their supervisor. So I was heavily into this notion of the simulation game where I said to the three of them, come and look after my office because I need to be going around everywhere and somebody needs to man the phone. You've got a place to work. And so they were there, three of them, and they were playing the simulation game, which was that they would come in in the morning, they'd clock in, they'd have a roster of things to do and they were off doing their projects. The in those days, I was also into my sort of initial readings in sociology. I was a year later to start my PhD in sociology. So I was into Marcel Mauss and gifts and, and mythical objects and so on. But what social science gives you is the notion of inquiry, which is quite interesting. So the notion of research or the notion of being embedded or the notion of fieldwork, such as uh, Clifford Geertz, allowed me to sort of pull the students into a series of singular projects. So one of them would take up and design a series of uh, domestic lights. So these were sort of lights, standalone lights for somebody who lives alone and in the evening because they live alone and they have this glass of whiskey and they're sort of sitting on a rocking chair and looking out of the window and they're contemplative and hence what lights. The other project was for, uh, in collaboration with the wife of a CEO of one of these big global multinational companies and she was looking for a chair where she could sit in front or a chair that could sit in front of a large portrait of her that was commissioned or that was presented to the family by an artist. So what then constitutes that singular object? And the third object was a gift. So that was directly connected to Marcel Mauss. So it was a gift that was incorporated inside a gift-giving culture of the dowry. So during the wedding, there is the bride's family which presents a series of gifts and so I went to one of these weddings, there was a very large table, and all the gifts were put out on display. It later transpired that the family essentially makes up a whole list of things that they want to give the bride, so that when she's going in to her new home, she's got all the things, the crockery, the cutlery, and various things. And one of the items in there is the soda maker. 
but not a utilitarian low-cost soda maker, a soda maker that sits squarely in the sector of the gift. So there is uh, a direct connection to prestation, Marcel Mauss, and uh, objects that are embedded within transactional relationships. So this is the kinds of projects they were doing. But it so happened that during the course of the simulation game, during the course of this capstone project of these three students, they were playing this idea that they were a startup. In those days, we didn't used to call them a startup. But nowadays, you can sort of imagine that they were a startup. And I was on a flight going down to Chennai. And then I was talking to this person next to me. We introduced ourselves. And then he said, oh, you're a designer. And then very from NID. And then he had a choice, a series of things to complain about, uh, about people who had sort of muffed up the contract, so they were unreliable or something or something. And I said, no, 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 all designers are not like that. And he said, prove it to me. So then I told him the story of the simulation game. I said, this is a group of three people. And hypothetically, if they were to graduate because of the fact that they'd spent six months together in an office and worked together and collaborated, they could potentially start an office. He said, really? Would they be interested in talking to me? So but I went back to Delhi. I walked into the office and I said to them, are they interested in pitching the idea of a startup to this person who is willing to fund them for X number of years? And, and so they graduate months later and they have this company, a design consulting business and a, and a startup. And they run that for X number of years. And then, of course, they have bigger aspirations. So they all sort of branch off and go off to various places. So that's a rambling sort of memory from 1997. Now, the 1990s up till 2003, I was in IIT Delhi. And through one of these things that happens to curricula when is when you have a curriculum and you're getting a course of course approval, it goes to a board and somebody in the board says, no, 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 you have to write this in. So what got written into the notion of the capstone project at IIT Delhi was that it had to be in the industry embedded. So you could violate that rule, but then you'd have to answer all these questions saying, oh, but you've done, your students have done projects, but it's not industry embedded or it's not this or not that. So there was a default option available. Uh, quite a lot of the projects would get industry embedded, there could be a television project or something or something. If it were not industry embedded, then it would be embedded inside one of the laboratories or research programs that were ongoing at IIT Delhi. Now, this brings us to a period, let's say some 20 years ago. Now, for many years during that time, I was responsible for the exhibition of the capstone project. So I was really, I was sort of the person who would organize the students, do the graduate catalog, um, clean up the spaces, set up the exhibition, and you know get all the industry people coming and organize placements and various things like that. So this is the transition of students out of university into their workplace. And in 1996, was it? I remember going to an exhibition in London at Islington, which was uh, selected works of graduating students from product design programs around England. And so you have this student, they've got a product, there's a, there's a poster behind it, and then they've got their business cards. And it's a bit like a marketplace. So people come by, they look at it, they take those business cards, 
sometimes they make an appointment with this graduating student saying, would you like to come and talk to us? We are from the studio. and So it was expected that some of the best students would get jobs at the grad show. So the grad show essentially is uh, not a formal placement venue, but a, but a venue that facilitates student placements. And then in 1999, Millennium Christmas, I was, in, I was teaching in Jerusalem, and there was an exhibition of the graduating students of Bezalel Academy of Art. And this was a, a product design program, but sitting in an art school, it had, let's say, a poetic edge to it. So you walked into the place where the exhibition is, and as you entered the particular hallway where the works are on display, the floor is white and fluorescent, and the works are lit with spots. So they designed this exhibition and put salt on the floor and set up ultraviolet lights. So it was quite, quite spectacular. So there exists a a fair amount of diversity in the kinds of exhibitions one has seen. And then we come to the first exhibition when I moved to Australia and I was the program director and I was saying, we have to have an exhibition that is, is, is about celebrating the students. So this is Drill Hall 2004. You organized the exhibition. You got these scaffolding tubes and you set up these stalls. It was Drill Hall, bound to be really hot at that time. You'd organized for there to be a DJ in the middle of the exhibition space. The scaffolding, which had cement and was old used scaffolding, had uh, cling film wrapped onto it. So this is something that I've talked about in a previous episode. And so the energy of that particular event was quite lovely. But it, it also struck a discordant note in the sense that it was too much of a party and not enough seriousness to the works of the student. So the question then becomes, do you celebrate the student at the graduating exhibition or you, do you celebrate the work the students have done? And you could choose one of these. And based on what you choose, you'll have a particular kind of exhibition. So that's in terms of something about these exhibitions, something about what constitutes a capstone at the point of transition from university into workplace. So this opens up for me the notion of the typology of the capstone. In some of the disciplines like fashion, the focus on the capstone is that the capstone is your portfolio project. You'll build a collection, you'll, you'll, you'll unveil something and people can then judge you for what you're presenting. The portfolio project then allows you to take the portfolio directly into your placement interview. In a sense, the capstone project is build something spectacular and the opportunities will come. So it's like the build it and they will come sort of notion. The portfolio project does not have to be, uh, let's say, utilitarian. It doesn't have to be industry engaged and portfolio projects have been done, I don't know, for the past hundred plus years. They're done in art schools, they're done in fashion schools, they're done in 
lots of let's say the more art side or art fringe of design where you build something and you put that on display and that is your creative practice that other people can then access and value you based on that then you have this notion of the industry project where which is like the project that i was doing in the 1980s where you are embedded inside an organization and the expectation is that the organization will then after you finish your capstone project you get a job there which i got and i spent six months in that job and then i left so in a sense these industry projects are sort of internships and that's let's say another type so typology so we've got two we've got a portfolio project and we've got this notion of the industry project where you're sort of transitioning as an internship into a potential job offer from that company then you have projects where independent of wanting to join an internship or do a portfolio students are just interested in a particular project so this is something where in today's culture i've sort of had the chance to encourage students who say i'm going to do this this is an idea i've got is this going to be my startup or this is my passion and i need to explore it and you go yeah yeah um, but alongside let's say the student elected or student proposed projects is also the risk of let's say the just in case project so when i was saying that at this point in time if you look around the world it's quite possible that there are about 30 million capstone projects the question is how many of those are going to result in jobs and question is how many of those are going to result in a startup how many of those become the basis for the public to see the capacity of the student and the answer is a fair number but then there are also quite a few projects which do not go anywhere and would or let's say some of them are formulaic because the students have seen that that's a project and that's the way to do it and here's how you build a, a schema and a methodology and this is what you do and so they're looking for let's say the, the correct way to do a capstone project some institutions encourage formulate capstone projects which means they'll sort of scaffold it very very precisely and uh, which is also probably very good but they tend to be uh, projects where the focus is on students demonstrating an integration capability which is that you've learned something for x number of years and in your final project show us that you've learned all those bits we should be able to see skill a skill b skill c will able to see your whole portfolio of skills so it could be a checklist or a checkbox type formulaic capstone project there is uh, and these kinds of projects do exist and they could be placed in direct opposition to let's say the portfolio project where is it something you want to do just go out and do it and then in institution like the iit where there's a fair amount of contract research work that happens there's a fair number of research laboratories and startups and incubators and accelerators on campus there is the possibility that if a student elects to work with a particular faculty member staff member an academic staff member they're doing so wanting to get access into the laboratory they not just the expertise of the supervisor not just the method ecology of that particular supervisor but also actually going into the lab and working in that lab and 
in Zhejiang University, I had a chance to look at one of these laboratories. The industrial design program there in Jeddah was inside the computer science school. And so it had a particular slant in terms of its technology. And there was a laboratory where industry projects were being done. So the students doing capstone projects or PhDs actually went and were members of that lab, which is a physical room and a physical laboratory. So, so, the, so the question then is, what is a capstone project? And the answer is that the capstone project is defined by the context in which it is. It's, if it's context as in, is it a laboratory? Is it an art school? Is it a computer science school? Or is it like my sort of stint in the IIT in Delhi was that this was, a, it was a sort of an engineering university? And then you start to get the context that determines what is acceptable to do, what is the right thing to do. You can do something else, but then it's a slightly risky proposition. So the context defines it. But the second thing that happens to quite a lot of capstone projects is the, the, the genre, the works that are produced within a particular school constitute also a school of thought. And quite independent of the institution or the program or the teachers, there emerges a peer-to-peer -peer student culture. And that starts doing things in a particular way. In places where uh, there is access to a lot of technology, it's quite possible that a lot of the capstone projects would be uh, focused on a prototype, which means that there'd be less of the poetic speculation. And the amount of time given to making the prototype would squeeze out you know, A, B, C things. There's also a notion of is the project within the space of the student? You know, so the, there's another way of thinking about the context, which is that is it happening inside the head of the student and in their own sort of space? Or is it happening inside a team or inside an industry where the project is owned by the industry and the student is contributing into that project? So you get all these different kinds of typologies. However, crucial to the notion of the capstone project is that if you focus away from the student, if you focus away from the ultimate purpose of the student journey, then you get a series of descriptions. You know, this is a curricular description, this is a the institutional reputational description. This is the historical tendency in this place for doing these kinds of capstone projects. But if you were leave all that alone saying yes, if we were to look at students and student strengths and student diversity, then we get a completely different notion of the capstone project. So what is worth doing is set aside and what is of meaning for a student, for them to do it at that particular point. And herein comes the fundamental starting blocks, which is what I was talking about when I did the intro to this podcast episode. So it has for a long time been my practice that if somebody says, uh, hey, I've landed up and you're my supervisor and this is the first session, I said, yes, that's really good. Tell me about yourself. Why are you here? They said, this is going to be my project. I said, no, we, that's a conversation we'll have three or four weeks later. 
But let's some let's spend some time trying to figure out where you are headed. And let's try and get you to articulate where you see yourself in five years' time or in ten years' time. And if you want to be somewhere in ten years' time, are you going to start the journey there now? Are you going to start the journey to get to that point now? Or are you going to put it off till you graduate and then try and figure out a way to get to that point? So it opens a Pandora's box of confusion for the student or it also allows the student to open some doors in themselves that they've closed. They move away from what is expected, what is the correct thing to do, to what they would like to do, what they haven't sort of entertained the thought of. So 10 years later, I want to be in this place doing this kind of work. Okay, if I want to be there, how do I get ready for that now with all the skills that I have in hand? And there is a lot of room in the Capstone project to trust the student, to expect that they have the agency. And agency not just to do hard work, but agency enough to not seek permission, to not come to the supervisor and say, um, I'm thinking of this, what do you think? Is it all right? And you go, I don't know. Because in a capstone project, you decide if it is correct. So my job is not to validate, but my job is to say, if you want to try doing something like that, here are some ways that I've seen people do it. And here are some ways of thinking. And they go, yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm go- I think I'm going to try this. It's also a place to hold space for the student where they go down a path and then they retrace the step and you go, that's fine. Don't worry about it. You restart again. So within the space of the notion of trusting the student, giving them agency, the sense of what can be construed as the capstone is completely transformed. And it becomes a place to marvel at the potential. You often see the students just explode with energy and be passionate and there's much more laughter. And it's, it's, it's an interesting place. Thank you. That's an indoor episode today because we've been having a very strange start to summer in Melbourne. It rains all the time, and it's very, very cold. So there's another three days of this to go. The next podcasts or further podcasts that I'm going to do, so just you have an interest if you want to come back, is one on moderation and assessment. So it's just the moderation part of assessment. What is moderation? So until then, sayonara.